Goose house. All right. When it comes to a basketball game, how many points can you win by and still call it an ugly win? We put that one to the test. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, today the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston born teacher and coach, Parker Andrew, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can't step by, you exist too. Make sure to subscribe down below those who can lay us on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. Appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Uh, welcome back to the YouTube channel. That's where you found us. It is so, so good to see you again. Remember to subscribe because we're doing a giveaway every 250. We're approaching 1750. That's the next one. Um, Hit subscribe to help us get there. Like, comment, video to let us know you are in the contest. Don't figure out what that is exactly. But the time being, hit subscribe. Help us get there. If you don't know what to say, you're more a football person. That's a basketball-heavy episode. Tell us. All right. I've been saying today, I've gotten addicted to my diet coverage here. What is your soda, your pop, your Coke of choice? Tell us in the comments down below. All right. So today, we're going to do talking about Towson and Houston basketball says an ugly basketball game. Talk about what that looks like in a moment. Um, the second thing I'll do is talk about some of the lineup stuff. They may switch in the starting lineups in this game. And I think it's really, really interesting to look at how that works to the least. Um, and moreover, I want to talk about like what that does to the lineups or the course of the game and why certain lamps might work more than others. And, Last but not least, I want to talk some and preview the Utah game because Houston will be playing Utah on Friday afternoon in the second round of the Charles second and I guess semifinal round of the Charles Charleston Classic. Um, fun stuff going on there for sure. But first, I guess it was fun, but not as fun as it could have been. Um, and that is the Houston win. Now, Houston does win the basketball game. I don't mean to act beaten down at any stretch. 65-49, it was never in doubt. Um, even early when it was like 6-6 six to six and stuff, I was like, okay, this is going to stretch out and be a Houston win just by the momentum of the game. I don't mean to seem like we lost. It was not that kind of a win by any stretch, but Houston went into halftime up 37-17 and frankly had dominated kind of the second half of that half, like second quarter, if you will, of basketball. And it was in large part because they couldn't cover LJ Cryer. LJ had 16 first half points. They couldn't find him in transition. He was hitting threes. They couldn't find him running around without the ball in his hands. He was hitting threes. And when he got finally found him and like overhelped and overcorrected and closed out on him, they were not low hips, not high hands. And he went right by them on his way to the basket. Um, had a great, great first half. And frankly, it felt like, okay, he'll come out in the second half, the same thing for the first 10 minutes. We'll let Ryan Alvin play the last five. We'll call this thing good, right? And instead, that was not how the second half went. Houston Cougars actually lost the second half of this game. Again, they were up by 20 at halftime and won the game by 16. Now, I know that losing by four when you were up by 20 is not the end of the world, but I do think it's worth pointing out that that's kind of how back and forth and slow and lethargic the second half felt. Um, and admittedly, I think part of that was probably that Houston knows they've got to play uh, – at that point, it was Utah or Wake Forest on Friday and another game against a highly competitive team this weekend. And I get that. 
And I also get, frankly, that uh, it was kind of, you know, a travel game, a road game to a neutral site, kind of a weird deal. Uh, you don't know exactly when you're going to play because they got to wait for the game before you to finish. And da, 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 da. But the point of these things, as Kelvin Sam said in his press availability, I believe it was after the Stetson game, um, is to get ready for March Madness, get ready for the tournament. And that's kind of exactly how the tournament goes, right? Um, anyway, it's first stretch. I'm being nitpicky here because I can pick nits when I'm at this point. But I will say... This team shot very, very well from the three-point line today. 41.2% of the game. They were 45.5% in the first half, actually. Um, and, again, it was never actually in doubt. It just felt like an icky second half. Like, why are we doing this with this? Why are we playing with food here? Let's get Ryan Elvin 10 minutes. Let's call it a dang goal, right? Um, I will say when those icky moments were happening in the second half, I went from like a 24-point lead to an 18-point lead. Like, oh, what's happening here? I thought it was really interesting that Jamal Shedd was like, now I'm happening here. Um, at that moment, again, the lead got cut by six points. Uh, if there were going to be a comeback effort, that felt like the start of it. And Jamal Shedd cut that crap down real fast. Um, he got the, after a JoJo tug off into rebound, he got the kick out of top, put on his arm, watched the clock run down, and went up a JoJo Tucker screen, hit a tough, tough floater. Defensive stop, next position. He gets it, uh, is going off a pick and roll in the same kind of situation, rejects the screen, go back and attacks the cup. There's a tough up and under, gets the defender in the air and goes right through the contact, doesn't get a foul call, but does get the layup after that. Come back down, steal happens, boom, Jamal gets outlet. He kicks ahead for a lob, like a big lob pass from Lake Wilson. Suddenly, it goes from 24 to 18 to back to 24, right? Boom, 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 really, really quickly. And I think what's fascinating has been watching through four games now, one, two, three, four. Jamal Shedd is dominating every game, controlling every game, and is like a true pro point guard on the floor, dictating the other nine chess pieces with every movement of his body without scoring the basketball. On Thursday night, he had just nine points. He did have eight assists and one turnover. And for what it's worth... This season has not been his most um, his most scoring season of all time. He had five points against Stetson, five points against Louisiana Monroe. I think he had a basket against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That's not how he's going to dominate this season. He has said somewhat beating around the bush that, like you know, part of the reason that we, we remember last year against. Miami and March Madness, his knees were wearing down. He's wearing like long tights to try and stay warm. There was just something not quite right with his legs. His legs were just spent. And then play those Miami guards in Sweet 16, you have a problem, right? He just, it wasn't himself. This is a way for him to kind of like pick his spots. And I love Jamal, will never hear this, but if he does, I love, love, love the growth and maturity of that to his game. He's like, listen, this is Towson. We got this one. I'm going to make sure we got this one. I'm going to control this game with every movement of my body. But when it's time to go, like they might start to come back, I'm going to make sure they don't, right? Um, I, I love that out of a point guard. I think that's an interesting difference between, frankly, how they used Jamal and how they used Marcus a year ago. Marcus had to score for this team to be any good, right? Uh, and they were very good, and he scored a lot of points. But Jamal doesn't. His role is very, very different, and I really, really appreciate the way he's going about that. Um, 
other things about this game, the first half defense is tremendous. Again, holding a team 17 points in 20 minutes is ridiculous. Um, they only forced six turnovers technically. They had four other shot violations. They also had forced four air balls. Uh, and so you can see how that very quickly becomes a 14 turnover feeling first half, even if we only had six in the books. Um, and so really, really tremendous defense the first half. Um, it felt like that it felt like watching Towson, like they were playing a game versus sped up team. They never, like they never like playing at that speed before it seemed foreign to them. It was like taking them moving up to a different league. Right. Um, they kind of settled in themselves in the second half, had some quick give and go kind of patterns. They ran, um, that ultimately led to a couple layups down the lane, just frankly stuff that hadn't shown on tape yet. So why would Houston been necessarily ready for it? Now I will say had it been a close competitive game, that probably would have been a moment where we see Samson use a timeout, choose somebody out, tell them where the rotation is and they get it fixed. And this one, I did appreciate. He kind of let them play through the ick and then go back and watch on tape after the fact. Um, again, it was a 16 point win. I mean, say it's not um, the interesting thing though, was that Houston had an, a change in their starting lineup. And I think it took several of us that have been paying attention by surprise. But if you want to surprise yourself or do some winning like Houston did this weekend, make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college to do it. It's the daily fantasy sports site to do all kinds of things daily fantasy. And like this show has a bonus episode coming out very soon. That's also about football. This show does football and basketball. You can do both of those things at prize picks with their parlays that combine things like receptions and made three. So say Travis Kelsey is going to make seven catches and LeBron James is going to make four threes, set the over under. They put it at 10 and a half. Boom. You got it. You know, it's the over, right? Those kinds of things They combine all kinds of sports. You can show off your sports knowledge at prize picks. They also have this really, really cool thing, which is an injury reboot policy. So if you've got a guy that gets hurt in the first half, he comes up the a couple of Towson guys got hurt in the first half tonight. He comes out the game, boom. They don't come back in the second half. Your player is rebooted, and you don't lose money on that pick. It's the only daily fantasy sports platform with that type of an insurance and policy. So make sure to check them out. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match to 100 You put it $100 in, they match you with $100 back. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on. Use Promo code locked on college, uh, L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for more. Keep on winning this weekend. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, I will say, um, just won the game, so maybe I'm being facetious to judge anything, but they felt slow and sluggish, and frankly, they started slow and sluggish, and then they had the second half slow and sluggish. They really won the game with this crazy stretch for about a 12-minute span in the first half, and I think they could have had a whole first half, maybe a whole second half, if they hadn't changed their starting lineup. Houston, to this point, had started Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer, Emmanuel Sharp, Jawan Roberts and Javier Francis in each of their three games 
of the season and the UNC Pembroke exhibition game. In this game, they went Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer, Damian Dunn, Jawan Roberts, and Javier Francis. Now, Damian Dunn is a tremendous score and, frankly, lit it up off the bench in the first game of the season. So I get why you think that way. He also, for what's worth, you go back and watch the Australian games, tore it up in Australia, too. He's really, 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 really talented. However, as was seen with him last year at Temple, when he played at Temple, uh, as was seen in the first three games this year, compared to this game, I think he's just better off of the bench. Um, he was the high point man at Temple when he came off the bench. He came off the bench during most of their conference games, ultimately sustained an injury in the SMU game, which kind of moved him in the starting lineup because the other guy, right? But he's typically would come off the bench for them last year and last season, if my numbers and math serve me correctly. Uh, where was it? He had like 17 points a game, 15 points a game. Um, again, big time deal for them coming off the bench to get 15 points a game. And I think it plays into the kind of unique position he plays. He's kind of a small forward, kind of a power forward that's a little undersized, kind of an oversized shooting guard. He's kind of a bunch of different things. And when he comes in with second units, you typically have to take one of your starters off the floor, obviously get those guys in the game. I've liked when he comes in a second unit for Houston, he typically is coming in and a big is coming. Now he's coming with a group like him, Terrence, and I don't know, Malik, or, or somebody will come in and they'll pull off one of Jawan and Javier. They'll pull off one of Emmanuel and LJ or something like that, or some combination of all of it. And what I'm getting at here is that kind of opens up a post spot because one of the things he does really well is like hit a mid range post. And that's kind of a lost art in modern basketball, right? You don't see a whole lot of mid range posts, but it's also because if your small forward is hitting your mid range post, there's a high post and a low post. And those defenders are already in the way. There's no defense three seconds in college basketball. Those guys are kind of all clogged up. And I think that taking that out of his game as a threat limits the kinds of things he can do. Now, when he's hitting threes, he's hitting threes. I'm not saying not to. But for his bag, if you will, the things that he does particularly well, he actually does really well with his back to the basket from about 12 to 14 feet. And if he's got his back to the basket about 12 to 14 feet, but Jay wants at 16 feet and Javier is at the block, He's running into a crowded lane with any move he makes. That means his defender's going to be pressed up on him. That means he's not going to shake by him because he doesn't have to get the defender down to worry about the threat behind him. And all those things click together. I appreciated the thought because we're about to see in, in the third segment how big Utah is. And you need size in your starting lineup. I get that. And Damian Dunn's got plenty of size, especially he's got more size compared to Emmanuel Sharp, the guy I'd advocate to start in front of him. But. I think the way his game plays out, and especially I feel vindicated in the fact that he went 0 for from the floor, uh, 0 for 8 from the field, and 0 for 2 from 3-point land, um, I just don't think that's going to play into him being his best version of the Houston Cougars. I get why you try it. He's been prolific in his sense off the bench. You almost feel like you're rewarding the kid. And for what it's worth, Emmanuel Sharp 
did not seem to bat an eye at the fact that he was coming on off the bench. Sharp came in, had 14 points, three, five, three point line, uh, played 18 minutes. He also got like three rebounds and he, he was all over the place, right? So Emmanuel was not like upset about it. This is not me like, oh, we need to make sure we have peace. Emmanuel is a, an adult. He gets it, right? A, a mature adult in that sense. He's still a college kid, but you got but Damian Dunn, I think, does play a lot better off the bench because of the rotations it puts him in, as well as he said something effective early in the season about like at Temple that like watching the game play out before you get out there, it kind of like you know you come out there with a more confident approach as to here's what the spots are or whatever, right? Um, now I didn't have an option. My coach told me when I started and came off the bench, but if I were him and I had the kind of power an athlete like Damian Dunn might have, I might go ask for that almost because, frankly, he looked more comfortable in the previous three games, and Towson's not a whole lot better opponent than they were playing then. This feels like just, just a, a spot that it wasn't good for him in. I also, for what's worth, liked starting with uh, Cryer and Sharp on the court at the same time. I like the space that offers off the jump. And I like, frankly, you get your two best shooters on the floor, and you're kind of figuring out very quickly, all right, which one's on tonight? Because one of them's going to be on most nights. You got both on, you got a real chance to win a lot of games, but one of them's going to be on both nights. And you got the starters, they're both starting out there. You can find out in the first three possessions. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, him, right? Those kind of things. Um, I also like alternating into the small ball group with the second unit, which again would be putting in Terrence. Say you put Terrence, JoJo, and uh, Damian all out there together as your like forward spots, your big spots, you got smaller and more athletic and more bouncy really quickly. Right. So I, I think I like those lineups with, with that coming off the bench again. Right now, this also might just be Damien Dunn's first start in Houston crew uniform. You're playing in a, you know, neutral site. It's first not home game for Houston. Um, frankly, Towson had some lengthy defenders that could have been bothersome. Uh, it could be finding his way, right? This could be the kind of thing where he starts the final four game in April and you're like, Parker, you're an idiot. And I will happily be an idiot in that case, right? The Samson, Samson company, all those, they know a lot more than me. Um, I just noticed it looked like he was uncomfortable and I noticed how great he's been off the bench. And I just don't think this was the time to do that. They didn't change their sets. They didn't change all about what they did. I don't think they need to, but I do think that were better starting manual. And frankly, I wonder how far we are away from starting small and using Terrence at some point. Now, tomorrow is not going to be the day to go small. <laughs> Sorry, folks. If you like small basketball, hint, I, I really like small ball basketball. If you like small ball basketball, Friday is not going to be the time to dabble in it or watch the opponent for sure because we start, we come back and we play Utah. We'll talk more about them in a second. But first, we got to make sure we talk about potential game changers. And Houston had a game changer on Thursday night. That was LJ Cryer. We're going to have 16 first half points to put the game away early. Now, much like LJ Cryer, Athletic Brewing Company is changing the game with their non-alcoholic brews. They're offering great tasting beverages you can have all day long, as many as you want at whatever function you are going to. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic beer game because they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. And they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They've got 50 different styles. It's going to be wintertime. Different people have different stuff they like. 
I am a fan of, though, because it never cools down in Texas to get very cold. I'm ice cold sour. Keep the sour in the fridge. Let it get real cold. Open it, pop it. You can drink it all day long, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, because they're fit for all times. You can anytime, anywhere, and make any activity more enjoyable. Make sure you go to uh, Athletic Brewing's website and use our promo code athleticbrewing.com. Use code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, to get 15% off your first order. That's L O C K E D O N, LOCKED ON, at checkout for 15% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, now this is part of the show we preview who Houston plays. On Friday, they play Friday at 3.30 Central Time uh, in Charleston. Unfortunately, I will be driving a bus to coach a game, so we're going to have to talk about that one uh, after the fact. I will say um, Utah's a game I want, even if I know the score, I want to rewatch because this is an interesting matchup. So we'll be talking about it at some point Friday night, Saturday, and potentially at Cougars after dark after all the games happen, uh, including the football games at Oklahoma State. Uh, Cougars after dark should be about 9.30 Central Time on Saturday night. Um, Utah offers a unique matchup because as short as the Houston Cougars are, and again, I like small ball basketball, but Utah is the second tallest roster in all of college basketball. All of it. Second tallest. Uh, against Wake Forest in the, I guess it's technically a quarterfinal game in the Charleston Classic, um, they started two seven-footers. One is actually seven-foot-one, a six-four point guard, a 6'6 guard, and a 6'7 guard. For reference, Houston could very well be spending lots of time on the court where they have no one taller than 6'7. And Utah started their game with three of the five guys being over 6'7. Now, I think what's particularly interesting about this game against Wake Forest, and I'm watching this to kind of get ready for the game because I want to know who are playing and why. Um, Brandon Carlson is the highlight player of the game you know a utah podcast we talk about him in their athletic brewing company spot right um he's not a legacy three-point shooter it's not like he's not a guy that i would say you actually scout to stop from three-point land um however uh, he did get hot in this instance on his career he has not uh not shot particularly well um Early in his career, he shot like 50% as a sophomore from three, but he shot less than one a game. So, like, how that goes. Last year, he shot just over 30%, and the year before, he shot just over 30%. Um, against Wake Forest on Thursday night, he went uh, for 57% from three, four of seven. He finished with 31 points. Um, he's, frankly, more of an inside and outside guy than their other seven-footer. And so I imagine he draws the Jawan Roberts matchup because the way he goes in and out. That leaves uh, Lawson Loverling for one Javier Francis, um, both of which offer difficult matches because of how tall and long they are. And so while Jawan and Javier and JoJo and maybe even some Sedlot and those kind of guys will be covering them primarily, the real trick is going to be can Houston get ball pressure on the guards? double team from the backside and the monster kind of double teams that they they typically do against these post players to get the ball out of their hands. Um, what I imagine to see happening is if they hit the guy on with defense's right block, the defense's left guard will come over to def- to double team from the backside and force 
long lob passes because of the intense pressure double team where the big man can't put it on the ground, right? And what's going to happen there is then the defense goes into scramble mode once the guy released the ball on a lob. Someone, hopefully a very athletic guard that can pick the ball off, will have technically have to cover two while they're double teaming and those kinds of things happen, right? That's what the ball spits out. Um, I still think Houston wins this game, even though it's a tough matchup for them. And it's not the kind of thing where I think anyone in Utah is better than anyone on Houston. It is the kind of game where the things they do well could potentially give Houston problems as a team, but I'm not too terribly worried about it. Um, they ran a lot of different, alternating between a couple different zone coverages. They used all that length to try and take up spots on the floor. Here's the thing with that. Houston's got shooters. Right, remember they shot 45.5% from three in the first half against Towson, and Towson's running a much more intense man defense as far as ball pressure goes. Zone has spot, Zone's defenses all have spots within them. It's going to be about diagnosing which zone Utah is lined up in and dissecting which spot to hit it in and getting Cryer or Sharp or Arsenal or Shed or whomever the hot hand is open into that spot. All kinds of different ways to do that schematically. It's a great, great test at this point. Again, we're not even quite to Thanksgiving yet because it offers Houston a chance to find in a game-like situation, a game situation, ways to beat a zone in a zone with a lot of length they haven't seen necessarily seen a whole lot of because they'll see some length throughout the season against Texas and Kansas and like that in the Big 12, right? Um, but as far as why I feel confident in Houston, I think I watched this game. There was a moment in the second half where I thought Wake Forest was going to take this one away, and that was because – Frankly, Hunter Salas um, kind of took over. Hunter Salas was uh, 8 of 12 from the field. He had uh, shot 50% three-point line. Um, Hunter Salas kind of had his way as a very normal-sized guard against this zone attack, right? Uh, Cameron Hildreth was their other guard at Wake Forest who kind of found his way at 14 points on good shooting stats, on good shooting percentages, um, kind of found his way against Utah. And again, these are two normal size. I think uh, held with a six, four and Salas is six, three normal size guards against what they're doing. Um, and I don't see why crier and sharp and shed and those guys couldn't do the exact same. Um, it does give me hope on this one. I, I don't think it, you know the world is not falling down. Wake Forest very easily could have won this game on the backs of those guards. And I choose our guards over their guards. So I think that's part of the deal there um i will say this might be a game where unlike in the first segment i talk about how proud i am of the way jamal shed's leading this team they might need him to get tough buckets in this game um he is a tough strong guard that will get in the lane and get up in the chest of those seven footers get them in foul trouble get himself to the free free throw line um as much as i love emmanuel he hadn't done that as much as jamal has um i haven't seen lj do it i admittedly though didn't watch Baylor as much as a Baylor person might have last year. Um, I haven't seen Malik Wilson do it. He's redshirted last year. So, you know, those kinds of things. But I do I do think Jamal Shea could have a big game in this one. Um, and I think Brandon Carlson from having 31 points, I think they'll be okay. The other telling thing about this one to me is that both teams ran zone and both teams kind of had their way scoring the basketball 77 to 70 uh, in a quarterfinal matchup, right? Um, against pair of zone offense, zone defenses. I think Houston's defensive intensity will help out some as well. I would not be surprised to see lengthier lines where I have like Jamal Shedd, Malik Wilson, Terrence Arsenault, Jojo Douglas, Jawan Roberts, a bunch of long athletes 
flying all over the court, right, uh, to get in the passing lanes and those kinds of things, and then the double team with all the wingspans <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, again, I won't be able to watch the game live. I will watch the game because I'm interested in how things go schematically and qualitatively. But we'll be doing all things each and every day here at Locked on Cougs, including a bonus episode coming out very shortly about uh, matching up with the Oklahoma State Cowboys and football on Saturday. And we'll be recapping all the basketball, all the football, all of the things at Cougars After Dark on Saturday night, looking at 9.30 Central time for that one. Be a live show. We talk about the football game, the basketball game, whatever. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications so you know when we are live. I'll be happy to converse with you and talk about good, bad, ugly, and everything in between about Houston Cougar sports. Hopefully a lot more of the good. We've had some bad and ugly around lately. Let's have more of the good. More of the good. Uh, second lesson of the day, I'm going to ask you to go listen to Locked On College Basketball because they're covering all these interesting uh, tournaments happening in this Thanksgiving time of the year. Doing a great job of it as well. So make sure you check out Andy and Isaac. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Locked On Cougs. This is Prime Locked On Podcast Network. That means your team, our Cougs, every day. Go Cougs. <laughs>